This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hey folks, this is Ike Morgan and we are down in Alabama. We haven't posted a weekend episode in a while and I wanted to fix that as tough as it might be to do anything extra this time of year. I hope y'all have got something out of the segments we've done with Matt Mitchell. He and I have talked for quite some time about wanting to do a separate podcast someday on Southern culture topics. It That hasn't happened, but it's been fun to cap the year in Alabama news with a short segment every weekday. We started doing those on December 6th. Now, if you've missed them, you obviously can't hear them on the Alexa Flash Briefing, but they're available free on iTunes and in SoundCloud if you just search for Down in Alabama. Also, remember to check out Reckon Radio's new podcast, Recused, the Jeff Session Story, wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, we wanted to hit on a couple of topics we didn't touch on during the week, and to help us do that, we have frequent weekend partner, Lita Gore. Howdy, Lita. Hey there, how are you? All right. Do you want to start off by talking about what's going on in your neck of the woods? Well, sure. Um, we had an earthquake this week, which is always kind of exciting up in these uh, these parts. Usually we don't uh, notice was, them. No, we usually don't, but it was like a 4.2, which on the scale of Alabama, well, it was a 4.2 at its epicenter, which was Tennessee, but um, we had enough people here that, you know, that reported it. They, they tend to sort of stay in north. East Alabama, but there were some reports here that that we felt it. But it was kind of interesting because I decided to go look because I just wasn't sure of the strongest ones to ever hit. We've actually had a 5.2, sort of near your way in in the you know Leeds, Shelby County, that that kind of a eastern Birmingham sort of direction. So uh-huh. I thought that was pretty interesting. It was before my time. I have to say, I think it was 1913. That's before I moved up here, also. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I was just a babe. But I can't, I, I, I have to say, I, I did not feel it. It hit in the middle of the night, but I've never felt an earthquake. Have you? I've never, I've never I, dealt with that. I don't think that I have. I mean, I know I grew up uh, pretty close to Tyndall Air Force Base and Eglin Air Force Base, yeah. and planes were always breaking the sound barrier. And I mean, down there, it didn't happen because we really don't have tremors down there. But I, I yeah. wonder if I've been so acclimated to feeling uh, planes break the sound barrier in our house that that it could have happened up here. One of the times that they said, oh, there was a 2.4. I could have felt it and just it feels like it always does when a jet flies. Over yeah. There. Yeah. Well, now, I mean, you know, I don't I don't live too far from Redstone Arsenal. I have lots of people that live closer and Redstone Arsenal has huge testing ranges. And they're really good about sending out a notice. And it'll say, we'll be, you know, you'll be hearing loud booms. If you live close enough, it will shake. Now, that I've totally experienced. But that's, that's something you, you know, they don't do it in the middle of the night. They most of right. the time. You generally know it. Um, and then because we're on the flight path of the arsenal, um, and, and when I lived in Birmingham, I was actually not, uh, not too far from the flight path of the Birmingham airport. So I'm used to that, you know, that kind of low plane sort of deal. Mm-hmm. But I've never felt it from the ground up, so to speak. I think that would be a very strange experience. I, 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 I just assume I have to deal with that. So they can keep the earthquakes far away. We don't I'm need okay another with thing. Dealing with that. 
Yeah, we no, don't need another thing. No, we've got tornadoes thing. and hurricanes. No, we don't need an earthquake. <laughs> but it was it was pretty interesting. And people, you know, people were here reported feeling it. People all the way down as south as Auburn reported feeling it. Yeah, well, I... That I, might have been something else in Auburn, though. I'm not real sure. That could have been something <laughs> totally unrelated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you never know. The, uh, yeah. There was a group, uh, a Facebook group that I'm on uh, for Trustful, Alabama, because I, I live not in Trustful, but pretty close, and I do a lot of... Uh, you know, business up there and everything. But someone reported that in the middle of that say, did everyone feel that? So I, I think yeah. that was a legitimate claim. You know, usually you hear people yeah. say, oh, yeah, I felt that. And you, you kind of wonder it, it before they knew there was an earthquake, they were talking about it. So all the way yeah. down to Trustful, that's yeah, that's a pretty big shake from Tennessee. Yeah. Well, what's pretty interesting, too, is, of course, um, the. Uh, TVA's nuclear power plant is, is I'm actually on the evacuation route for TVA's power plant, which is kind of a sobering thought. Um, and I'm close enough that if it got to the evacuation, I'm not sure it would really matter. But, the, um, you know, the first thing they do, of course, is come out and say, everything's fine. You know, don't, don't worry. Everything's fine. And, and uh, I know that there were several nuclear power plants in uh, southern Tennessee and all that, that did similar things because they're built to withstand earthquakes but that you know 4.1 4.2 for this part of the country is getting on up there so i'm glad to know that at least they uh they reassured us that everything's okay hopefully <laughs> I'll, I'll worry because they're well i guess it's the same thing in california but i, I i'm from where the land's flat so when i see houses yeah. built into built into the side of mountains like uh, mine right now is a hill anyway and um i think of the ground shaking that that's t that terrifies me <laughs> yeah yeah i, I will well, let's let's stick with stuff swirling out of the air let's don't deal with the ground opening up swallowing us. that that is too much yeah I agree. <laughs> um another thing that i saw you wrote on this week was um i guess good news for nasa or about nasa or about people who want to work for nasa yeah it was it was good news and again being in north alabama that's a big deal but uh NASA was, I think it's either the, I think it's the seventh year, may have even been the eighth, um, was rated the best place to work in the federal government. Now that kind of cracks me up because right now there's probably a lot of people that wouldn't want to work for the federal government. But, you know, um, we have a large number of federal employees per capita, not just in North Alabama, but in Alabama in general. So it's, it's one of the heavier states when it comes to federal employees. And obviously that's skewed by, by Redstone Arsenal, mm -hmm. um, which is where Marshall Space Flight Center is, which is where NASA is, which is a really unique situation. And I don't think people realize that very much, mm -hmm. that Alabama has a military base that has 1,200 uniformed personnel. So it's, not, it's a blip on the you know, active duty radar, but there's 40,000 people on the arsenal, including Marshall and the FBI and the ATF. Right. So it's really a unique situation. But yeah, and, and it is funny because I know lots of people that work at Marshall Space Flight Center that work for NASA, and they don't leave. So, I mean, there is something to be said as, as far as that goes. Uh, turnover seems to be low. You know, seems to be a, if you change jobs, it's within the same structure. And I think there's a lot going on there right now. I think they're excited. You know, the people I know that work there, they're excited about we're going to Mars and we're, you know, we're, we're doing some new things where I think for the last maybe decade or so they didn't. So I thought that was kind of neat. And I also thought it was kind of funny. They actually, and this was a little side note on that, they, um, they, the VA used to always be the lowest rated place to work. Or no, you know, that was the one that everybody reported problems with. And mm -hmm. 
employee dissatisfaction all they actually removed them from this survey and they do their own survey now so oh i guess well i guess it was just when your numbers were that bad you just didn't want to have to deal with it anymore but they they took the va out and you know um also uh let's see what is it was uh i believe it was air force beat army and navy which of course we have a huge army presence up here too so that (laughs) that was kind of humorous too but i think the army won the army navy game so they're they're probably just satisfied with that they don't care about the employee satisfaction survey well i I think that you know this optimism over going to mars and all that thing surely that that puts a lot of excitement into it i will point out though that the the streak that they're on the seven years of the best federal place to work um goes over multiple administrations uh so there's there's an uh, also an overall has to be some sort of i'll believe in my jet work you know even even you know no matter who's running the show yeah am i making any sense there yeah oh absolutely and i think too if you are in that line of work it's you know it's where you you want to be it's it's historic and it's um i think we in alabama i I know this we we way too often forget how cool that is that that's here Mm -hmm. you know i drive by rockets every single day and i forget sometimes what all goes on out there and you know, I have some dear friends who are both NASA engineers, and when you talk to them, you know, they're like, we're talking about our kids and going to the grocery store, and then you realize that part of her job was talking to the space station every day. That's just a cool thing, and we have that in Alabama, and um, no matter what happens with the space program, I think that's an interesting thing yeah. that uh, a lot of Alabamians just don't think about. Yeah, in our house, we watch Apollo 13. I swear <laughs> it's like once a week, and yeah. I, I'm... I went well. I came out of high school thinking I was going to do engineering, and I was a math guy. Uh, but I ended up yeah, in newspapers, and I did my thing. And I'm, I'm never. But you know, I would still go to NASA and fill out an application if I could. I, I all I could tell yeah. them was I want to be Ed Harris. You know, I want to be the yeah. Ed Harris. Can I be the Ed Harris guy? But that comes from. It is pretty cool. It is pretty cool. And to think that you know, I've I've had to explain that to a lot of people, especially if you cover a national topic or even an international topic, and if you deal with any sort of people outside this state, they have preconceived notions for what, you know, the state is. And, and I've had to explain to some of them, you know, I can drive 10 minutes from my house and, and who's controlling the United States Army missiles, I'm there. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you don't get any more technically savvy than what these people are. And, and we launch things to Mars and we monitor the space station. So it's kind of a cool um, brain trust so to speak in north alabama but apparently a good place to work so probably if you wanted to be ed harris they probably wouldn't hire you because they probably have too many people that want to be ed harris my my guess is it's a good place to work interestingly enough however you know nasa just like a lot of others uh during government shutdowns they're furloughed like everybody else i i think that if if the government shuts down towards the end of this month like there's some talk there's be a li- more of a modified shutdown because some of the agencies have funding and I know the Department of Defense has funding. I don't know about NASA. I'll have to look and see if they would be subject to furlough if the government shuts down. But during furloughs, you know, space, they they have critical personnel that stays, but everybody else is gone just like the rest of, you know, the rest of the federal workers. So yeah, yeah. they're not immune to that. Redstone also, another sort of recent news story, a lot of FBI folks are. Yeah. Going yeah, there, so hundred jobs. Yeah. yeah, so that's yeah. pretty cool. I, I will tell you my my favorite um my favorite story involving that is a lot of again a lot of people don't know but um 
there are a lot of if you if there are improvised explosive devices and um, this is FBI ATF kind of both, mm-hmm. but um, they're all tested up here. And so after the Boston bombing, I was at the arsenal because I was the military reporter, and I was walking through a room, and this was before they really released all the details of of what was going on, as far as the pressure cooker bombs and all. But I, I walked by a room, and, you know, they don't let you wander around. You, you're escorted through the building. But the door happened to be open, so I look in the room, and there were pressure cookers on the table. Oh, wow. Where they had lined up pressure cookers to, um, you know, they were studying them. Yeah. And and that a little later, I think it was either that same day or a week or so later, they brought us all out there and to watch them blow up a car. with a Show us how small a bomb had to be to blow up a car. And it was a... Uh, uh, in, in a briefcase, and, and we were out there. CNN was there, 60 Minutes. I mean, it was a big deal. We're all out there. We'd been out there all day. We traipse out in the middle of nowhere, you know. And they do this five, four, three, two, one, and they press the button, and nothing happens. <laughs> like, okay. So then, it, you know, they did it again, and there was like a poof, and it was very anticlimactic. So the, the pressure cookers ended up being way more interesting. But, but we do have uh, FBI and ATF that are on the arsenal. And I was telling someone the other day, the addition of those jobs is just more security when they start looking at, you know, closing bases or realigning the, the more diversity you have on your facility, the better off you are. So that's great. And they're good paying jobs. Yeah. You know, they're, they're high paying wages and it attracts more people here, attracts yeah. more money, attracts more everything. So it's that's great. Right. That's fantastic news. Yeah, yeah, it is. Absolutely. Um, one other news story. We'll pivot to this one. Uh, Time named its person. It's not really a person anymore, but I guess they still call it a person of the year. They do, which was weird. Yeah. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, last year it was uh, um, it had to do with the Me Too movement, I think. Um, yeah. They they named women who've spoken out or people who've spoken out against sexual abuses. This year, it also wasn't one person. Yeah, it was the the sort of the gatekeepers, when it the the imprisoned journalists and persecuted mm-hmm. journalists and um, uh, journalists who had been slain. Which was there were some of those cases, of course, that I was aware of the the man in you know involving Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. But some of those cases, I was not aware of. You know, where people were picked up in the middle of the night and hauled off to jail. Mm-hmm. Um, and are still in jail. So it was, it was an interesting pick, though, in the in the way they, uh, I won't say backhanded insult, because it wasn't really backhanded. It was pretty much an insult. But it was just saying t- towards the president of, a, you know, you've, you've painted this picture of, of fake news and the media is your enemy. Well, there are people all around the world who are really dealing with that. So it was a, it was an interesting choice, and I thought it was a very – non-obvious choice, which I appreciated, you know, as a journalist, I appreciate it because obviously their, their second and third, I think were Robert Mueller and, and president Trump, you know, which is more what you kind of, but you really could probably pick the president of the United States every year, you know, it, it'd be a rare thing, but I thought it was a fascinating, I learned a lot from, from some of the stories they told about the journalists who were imprisoned and, and, you know, we, we think we deal with, bad things when people send us ugly emails or cuss at us on the phone. But, you know, there are people whose lives are literally being put in danger mm-hmm. by covering things involving their country. So it was an interesting choice. Yeah. And, and you know, in as much as it may have been partly a shot at President Trump with, with some of the combativeness and, and his reluctance on the, the Saudi Arabia uh, journalist issue, for example, to, to come around to what actually happened, um, 
you know, it's not. It wasn't really a low road insult. It was more of a. No, it's no. more of a. Hey, these are important stories and important things. And and no matter who you are, I mean, we we we're pro freedom in this country all the way across right, the board. Right. No, and, it was a. It was a very wide. A very. Uh, I, I don't want to use the word intellectual because that implies uh-huh. that somebody might not be intellectual. But it was a very well thought out. Let me just put it that right. way. To, to raise the issue through that of people who are actually dealing with these topics more than just a president saying you're fake news. Right. And yeah. now they could have they could have said, well, CNN is the person of the year for right. taking abuse from the president. Right. And no, no knock on CNN, but that would have been a clear insult and, and not very exactly. – not to not have nearly yeah. as much depth. Right. Or Jim Acosta, who was kicked out of the White House. <laughs> he to being in prison. Yeah. <laughs> he needed to be our first. Called of the off in the middle of the night in China. <laughs> yeah. And and there was one case that was really interesting too that was um and I'm sorry I don't remember the lady's name, but she was the publisher of a newspaper and she's being investigated for tax fraud. But mm. they're saying that the investigation only started after she spoke out, you know, against her her uh government. So I thought some of those are kind of interesting too, that you get the you know, not just in prison and hauled off, but Mm-hmm. The the legislative or the judicial branch kind of being used to persecute a a, uh, a journalist. Now she may be guilty. I have no idea. You know, right. but it was an interesting. It was an interesting choice. I thought not yeah. not the obvious choice, which would have been more of a you know investigation of President Trump sort of pick. Right, right. I, I'm and I'm talking from memory now. We I mean we still have these issues. Uh, about freedom of the press in countries we wouldn't think of it. I'm like I said, I'm I'm speaking from memory here, but there's a, there's a priest in Australia who I yeah. believe has been convicted of of of, of some some of the uh, uh, child abuse uh, things. Yeah, and because of certain law there, press press won't report on it. And even after right. the conviction, they're so worried about tainting people's opinions that. They won't let press tell say here's who this guy is, and it, right, yeah, that's incredible yeah. to me. It is amazing, and that there are countries like you said that we would not think about that have restrictions on um, covering things. And I always get I'm fascinated by the if you've ever watched any of the documentaries about the British royal family and sort of the agreement they had through the years with the with journalists there that they wouldn't cover things. And they, mm-hmm. they didn't cover things. And then all of a sudden, you know, as times change and tabloid journalism becomes more of a thing, then it was like all <laughs> all holds were barred and they didn't know what to do. It wasn't that they suddenly became amoral. It was just nobody covered it for a long time. And the same thing with our presidents. I mean, you look back at John F. Kennedy and some of the things going on, none of that would fly now. Oh, my gosh, it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just wouldn't happen. But back then, you know, that, so it wasn't that suddenly our presidents became – uh, you know, promiscuous or whatever they were, but it was just they didn't cover it in the past in the same how, way. How would Henry With LBJ's the, health? You know those kinds of things. That's right. How would Henry the Eighth have uh, have worked with uh, <laughs> with t- British tabloid newspapers? That that would have been that'd be a great. Yeah, that would have been that would have been awesome because you wouldn't you wouldn't have been able to keep up. But, yeah, <laughs> he's, he beheaded who this week? <laughs> yeah, he's dating who? Yeah, it would it. You know, to see how that, you know, how, how President Trump would have been treated by the press before versus now. Even even the way, say, um, Reagan, compare it to, to how Reagan, my dogs are saying hello, by the way, let me walk out. <laughs> <laughs> let me start that over. 
when you compare it to, say, even how Reagan or how the press reported on Reagan in the wake of his assassination attempt, you know, they didn't always release everything right from the start. Right. So it, it has changed. You know, and a lot of that's what information. I mean, uh, let's let's be honest. It's all because if someone can send you an email and leak every bit of information in five minutes, then it kind of does away with that. I'll, I'll say this, and I'm I wasn't around, and I, and I'm, I'm I'm I don't ever mean to speak for everybody and to talk about every, but before Watergate, if the billionaire Donald Trump, who's billionaire and and playboy and all his past and everything, had he been in office. He would have bought so many drinks for reporters. They would have reporters oh, yeah. would have lived a high life with him during yeah. the Kennedy yeah. administration years. And I'm not speaking forever again. I know there were people who worked hard, but the, sometime around Watergate, journalism changed. It, yeah. you, you don't pick favorites anymore. Even the, it, it trickled down to the sports departments after a few years. Hey, we're not homers anymore. Um, yep. New, it was a different world in journalism back before. Then. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and I think um, I, I think that change is sort of what set up the adversarial role, which is not always bad. Right. Until you get to the point where the journalist becomes the story, then mm-hmm. I think you've got a problem. Right. You know, we don't need to be the story. But you know that that's part of why I am not incredibly pessimistic about the future. I I, I know that. <sighs> Press is changing in some ways. I don't like it, and in other ways, I I do. But we've been so many different things going all the way back to the founding. And at at the founding, politicians realized how important the press was. And the press was crazy at the founding. We're so much better than crazy right now. Now, we're we're crazy in pockets. Yeah, we're better than crazy. So I, you know, but I mean, in the way that it all works together as the fourth estate, I mean, we, we've been in, you know, some really weird positions before and we know that we've done well. And now suddenly we have this seismic shift because of digital and, and who's coming in to um, compete with us. And yeah, um, I think we saw some of that change in when we had 24 hour news networks where they had to fill all that time, they had to fill all that space. And we saw what was news change. It has changed a lot. It's changed a lot in my 20-something-plus years, but not all to the worst. I'm I'm with you. I think there's some things that are really good that have gone on. It's just more departmentalized than it was in the past. Right. Yeah, I I agree. We're going to go ahead and and cut ourselves off because as people realize who've listened before, we can go... We can go on and on about any of this stuff. Um, we didn't even we didn't talk about Jeff Sessions because I mean Matt and I just talked about it. So so you you lost out. This well, listen week. to the podcast. I, I had right. the the pleasure of getting to to work on some of the pre stuff on the podcast from some of. Um, so I got a sneak peek. I got to read along ahead of time, and uh, it was it's well done and it's some information I, I learned awesome. um, yeah. about Jeff Sessions. So I recommend it highly. I've I've saved it for this weekend. So anyway, that, that's Reckon Radio is the name of the, um, uh, I guess the platform. I'm not even sure what you'd call. Listen to it on Reckon Radio. How about there that? you go. Listen to it on Reckon Radio. You can find it in iTunes anywhere. And uh, it, the podcast is Recused Colon the Jeff Sessions story, and it's about uh, backstories about Sessions. It's not just about the, the the Trump stuff. No, no, and you will hear from people who worked with him that you've not heard from before. I worked with him a while back that, that talk about, on, and I, I think the thing that I admired the most 
is it's um, it's told from lots of different perspectives. It, it's not it's not a national media narrative on Jeff Sessions, and I appreciated that. It's a local media narrative. All right. Well, yeah, y'all y'all definitely check that out. Um, tomorrow, well, not tomorrow. Well, it depends on when you're listening to this. Monday, <laughs> we'll go back to do another week of our regularly scheduled um, podcast flash briefings that we have. Um, Matt Mitchell will be back with us. We'll, we'll, we'll keep doing these segments, 12 days of Christmas through the week. We'll break after Friday and probably not be back until the day after Christmas then. But um, yeah, make sure you, you tune in next week. Matt and I are having a blast. It's, it's, he's, he's hilarious. He's fun to you sit and I down both with. Know Matt's going to be at Walmart the day after Christmas. You and I both know that's where he's going to be. Well, yeah, he's, he's going to be, be re- in the return line in Walmart. <laughs> that's where you get material from. Uh, yeah. Y'all. Yeah. Look at his uh, Twitter account the day after Christmas. There is no question. <laughs> yeah. You'll see people at Walmart will just, that, that, that website will just close down and say, yeah, we can't compete yes. with this because it'll be good stuff. It'll probably be in Walker County. So he has an advantage yes. over everyone else. Yes. Cause there's, uh, I'm not meaning to pick on, I know there's people who listen that's from Walter, Walker County. I can but... say it. That's my, my father grew up there. I can say it. I can say it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I always consider myself. I think people know that I'm one of them when I pick on them about that. Yeah. Walker County is no. is kind of similar to Fountain, Florida, if you're familiar with the Panhandle, and you know the Panhandle better than North Alabama. But anyway, um, yeah, come check us out. Thank you for listening today. We really appreciate it. I, I can't emphasize that enough. And uh, come by and see us anytime you want to on the World Wide Web at al.com. <laughs>